We're going to be in Romans, uh, Romans 1.16 this morning. And it starts out, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from, la- from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all of the, ungo- or the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be, may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what, it, what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity from the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Now, I tell you, it is fun to teach the Word of God. I really enjoy teaching it, especially when everybody agrees with it. Yeah. We love to talk about the love of God. We love to talk about New Testament. Oh, God, just, oh, just crawl up in his lap. It's a glorious thing. My, you know, my son this morning, was Grayson, was, was screaming out at 530. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Of course, he can't speak, so he just screams. So I go get him. I give him a little bit, and he just crawls up my lap, and he just goes right asleep. We have a wonderful picture of our Father in heaven just like that. And praise the Lord we have that, Right? He is a God that we can crawl up in his lap and do that. But God has also got another side. God has also got to deal with the sin of this world. The love of Jesus, everybody, you know, just getting along is great. I mean, even last month our government officials said that, that if we could just show more love to the world, then people wouldn't hate Americans so much. But we need to understand something. Our God is also a God of wrath. We just can't cherry pick the things that we love about the, uh, about the scriptures. Cherry pick this, cherry pick that, and, and just place and go and build our own God in a sense. We have to take everything. We have to take the, the whole Old Testament, the whole New Testament. And if we understand that our God is also a God of wrath, then we need to understand what is behind the wrath. Because if we don't understand what's behind it, if we don't understand the why, we will walk out of here today afraid of him. And then as we go through the next couple of chapters, we'll learn about God and stuff. We'll learn about God's wrath. And then we will go out there and talk to other people about God's wrath in a way that we don't understand. And we'll teach people to be afraid of him. So we need to understand what wrath means. So let's get acquainted with this God of wrath. Because this balances out God. And if we get acquainted with it, then we start to understand the reason behind his wrath and see that he has a reason 
for the wrath. Now, some translations use the word anger, and that's okay. But you go back to the Greek, I, I think wrath is a better word in the English for it. But if you go back to the Greek, it's the word thumos, okay? T-H-U-M-O-S. Now, you could get into the Greek, and I could try to tell you, but let's just leave it there, okay? It's the Greek word for anger. This is where we get the word thermometer. You know, I, I take my thermometer, and I'm smoking some meat, and I stick it right in there. Within two seconds, I can tell you what temperature that meat is at, because I have a great thermometer, and it just instantly works, Okay, that's the way we think of wrath. That's what we think of anger. It instantly happens. How many of you know somebody that instantly can be angry? Yeah, I mean, we all do, don't we? Okay, you know, this exploding anger, this like volcanic anger. Look throughout the ages and people have, you know, sacrificed to, to volcanoes uh, at different times in history. And, you know, one group even cut out hearts to show their passion, you know, Oh, don't explode on us anytime soon. We're going to give you a person to, so you won't do that. I mean, <laughs> kind of wacky things have happened on that. But the word thumos is a, is a human trait. When you lose, your, you know, lose control, it just sets you off. And by the time it comes out, man, it, it's kind of been bubbling in you for a while. And now's your chance, and you let somebody have it. You ever gone through that? You know, it's just kind of built up in a while, built up, and all of a sudden you just, okay, you really want it? You, do you really want it? Okay. And you just let them have it. This kind of person can even be a little passive aggressive. They haven't learned how to deal with their anger. This is not God's temperament. So if that's your view of wrath, if that's your view of God's anger, then, then that is not a biblical view, I would say. Paul uses the word orge for wrath, orge. And it's a word where we get the word organic. Did you know that many, many fruits and vegetables that come from South America, they pick them when they're totally green, okay? And they pack them away in a low oxygen environment. And they can stay like that for, heaven forbid, months. And you probably don't even know about this about your food that ends up in Target and the grocery stores and everywhere else. They'll stay like that for months and then they'll bring them out into to the regular oxygen, you know, in our regular environment and they'll start to ripen, and we like to eat them before what happens. They get overly ripe, right? We don't like overly ripe food. So when we buy it, we let it ripen. Paul uses the word orge here, and he's talking about the ripeness of God. God's wrath being ripe. It's revealed when it's ripe. So if we go and we look at it early and we see it's green, and we wait for God to organically bring his wrath. Now, it's also used in a legal sense to talk about punishment. When fun, somebody finally gets punished, we've done everything that we could, and now's the time. And the judge represents the people, and he, he may even get a little upset at the punishment time when it would happen. And he says, you're going, for, you know, you're going to jail for a long time, buddy. You shouldn't have killed all those people. Or, you know, this is the wrath, and this is kind of the, that, that godly wrath. It's fair, but it's harsh judgment. Now, once we, once we get used to this type of God also, now... Remember, this counteracts the love of God, okay? So if you just take one side or the other, you're going to have a mis misrepresented view of who God is. He is a just God. He is a fair God. He is a patient God. But he eventually will say, now is the time to judge. And when that time comes, 
No one can argue with the judge at that point. Everything's been taken care of. God is completely self-controlled and fair. Sometimes we don't like God's patience. I mean, with other people, right? I mean, we love God's patience with us, right? You know, we have this sinner in life that's been around for a while, and we're like, okay, God, be patient. I'm working on it. Oh, I messed up again. God, be patient. I'm working on it. God, be patient. I'm working on it. God, can you believe they did that? See, we like patience on ourselves. But with others, why hasn't God done something? If I was in charge... But see, our God has this incredible patience. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And his patience is balanced with his wrath. And his wrath is perfect, it's righteous, and it's final. Some people really struggle with this, um, uh, you know, viewing God in, in this way. And they try to reinvent God. And they like to close their Bible. They don't like the Old Testament at, at all. You know, they, they say stuff like, well, I really like Jesus. Okay, well, have you read the words of Jesus? You know, it, it's pretty interesting. And, and next week we're going to uh, talk about, I'm actually several weeks ahead right now on my sermons, but, but we're going to be talking about, you know, Jesus had this way of just, just, just going right at somebody and saying, this is wrong, this is unbiblical, this is not godly. And they would say, oh man, you were talking right to me. Hey, you want to come over for dinner tonight? What's up with that? Because when I go to somebody and say, what you're doing is ungodly, what do they do? I'm leaving your church. Most of the time, not always. But you see what I'm saying? They have a, you know, God just has this way of, of bringing truth, and yet he does it so gracefully. God really balances things out. But we like a warm, fuzzy God, so many people struggle with this. Now, as we share the gospel, the good news with other people, let's keep a few things in mind. First off, we should never water down the Word of God. We should not water it down. We need to let people get to know God for who God is. You know, this is like going, well... You will love her. She has a great personality when you're setting somebody up on a blind date. You're going to love him. He's really nice. When people start saying that, you start getting a little suspicious. Well, unfortunately, we've done that with the Word of God. We've done that with God. You're going to love God, and it's all about love, and then they start to read the Bible, and all of a sudden they, they start reading these things that are a little more harsh, and they're like, wait a second. This is not who you told me God was. A lot of churches are like, our God is really nice. And when they finally crack open the Word of God, they get to know Him. They say, wait a second. This God means business. Better to be up front. Better to get to know God. Pieces, you know, there's pieces of the Bible that literally will scare the hell out of you. And God uses, I mean, that's a good use of the word hell there, okay? Don't water down God. Now, secondly, don't enjoy the fact that somebody else is going to hell. It really saddens me when a person dies, especially if I know them and they're not a Christian. This means they're going to hell. Wow, it's not a good thing. I kind of like the idea of the guys who ran the planes into 9-11, you know, into the towers. kind of like the idea of them going to hell and being tortured, right? I mean, if we all had a list, I mean, Hitler would be up there. Our first two or three, four 
you know, depending on how much history you know, Pol, Pol Pot and some other guys would be up there, right, you know? History people just, everybody else just go, yeah. Okay, but, but once you get down to 10, 12, 15, all our lists become a little different, right? It gets a little more dicey there. It's not a good thing. If we understand the wrath of God, we know about ourselves. And secondly, we can, you know, we can effectively tell other people about it. So let's get into the word. Uh, verse 17, it says, For, for in, the gospel, uh, in, in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from last to f- or first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The wrath of God is being revealed. Now, in verse 17, he says the righteousness is being revealed. And now he says the wrath of God is being revealed. Now, what what is Paul doing? He's building a case, a legal case. He is a trained lawyer. And and the book of Romans is a legal document in many ways. If you you look how it was written and you understand how legal cases were done back then, in, in many ways it follows those things. In the first couple of chapters, uh, you know, it's the case of we are all sinners. We're all toast. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for a saving grace, it wasn't for salvation being a gift, we'd be toast. But then he wades through the cesspool to get to it all. I mean, he goes through all this kind of stuff. And, and, and we have to get right to the place of where we build the house and start building. And, and that's what Paul's doing. He built the foundation. He, he, he goes, if it wasn't for God, if it wasn't for his saving grace, we would all be toast. And let's talk about why we would be toast. And he goes into all these different sins that we're going to uh, start to go through there. And we'll have to hang in there because we'll go through it slowly for a while. But Paul is saying the righteousness is the counterpoint to the wrath of God. It protects us from the wrath. It's revealed through us. It's revealed through our relationship with him. And thank God, literally, we will never see the full wrath of God. Now, why won't we see the full wrath of God? Because he took it on the cross. My sin, he took to the cross. Your sin... The things that you've been worrying about, am I acceptable in God's eyes because of this, 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 and oh yeah, I can't forget about that. He's already taken to the cross, so stop worrying about it. I won't face that because the righteousness is revealed in me. Now growing up around my household, you weren't allowed to use bad language. If it came close to being the bad language, you get the soap in the mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? No one? Okay, several people have had the soap in the mouth thing, you know? Oh, it tastes so good, you know? I will never forget what, no, okay, anyway. So soap. So the first time that my family went and visited Hoover Dam, it was a great day. Wow, look at that dam. Did you see the damn workers over there? Look at all that damn water. I mean, we're going to go on a damn tour. There's a damn guide right there. Man, anyone want some damn lunch at the damn snack bar? I'm going to go through those damn doors and get a damn hot dog. Now, mom's ready to explode by this time. You know what I'm saying? Dad's arm keeps getting longer and longer because I'm the very back of the station wagon, you know, the third row, and his arm just keeps getting longer and longer. And he says something like, 
if you say one more word, well, that's just like pushing my button. You know what I'm saying? I immediately piped up and say, I'm sorry, you're the one who brought us on this damn vacation. I thought it was funny. Dad did not. Well, needless to say, I got the wrath of my dad the rest of the day, so I'm in the car all by myself while everybody else is out eating the damn ice cream. So, you know. But the amazing thing, so thank you for allowing me to uh, say the damn word this morning, but the amazing thing about the dam is it holds back a ton of water. Okay, more than a ton, okay? I I just, (laughs) it's 800 feet deep. Imagine that. It created this whole lake that we go and ride boats on and everything else now and have all this entertainment. It's hard to get the sense of volume of water that's there. And this is where the Greek word in Romans 1.18 comes into play. The word reveal. The wrath of God is being revealed. Now, if that dam ever broke... All that water is going to be revealed, right? We can see the top. The top is revealed to us. But we don't see all the rest of the water that's all the way down. There are people living downstream that will die if this, you know, this dam ever breaks because their house would be underwater. And they're trusting that that dam will never break. Now, this is like the world thinking that God's wrath will never be revealed. It's all about the love of Jesus. And they think that, that our God is all about love, but, but they forget that God has to say, I have to deal with the sin. But it will. He will. Read the Bible. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. He's speaking, speaking prophetically here against the, you know, about the future. The word against means God's wrath is focused. This is not an arbitrary volcano or an arbitrary, you know, hurricane. We have a self-controlled God. So therefore, I do not fear his wrath. I don't fear it because it is focused. And praise the Lord, not on me because I am a believer, but on the godlessness and the wickedness. This won't be like a bomb being dropped down and there's collateral damage, okay? See, the problem is when we try to, you know, to allow it to be this way, there's this collateral damage when we try to, to act like God, you know, bring down his wrath on people. And there's all this collateral damage. But God's wrath is perfect. No innocent person will be hurt. Well, who's innocent? Those who believe in the, in the, in the saving blood of Jesus Christ. That's who is innocent. Jesus already took my wrath. The wrath of God was taken on, you know, by Jesus on the cross. He took the the religious wrath from me. In civil trials, he took the civil wrath from me. And then on the cross, he took the the wrath of of the God, the Father, who was supposed to pour that wrath out on me. I mean, think about this. The wrath was so heavy that the earth shook. Think about that for a second. The earth shook because of God's wrath. Changed everything. And then three days later, just to prove his wrath didn't do him in, he he was raised from the dead. If Jesus would have been killed, I would have been hopeless because he is alive, so I 
I, I can have hope. I can have hope because this wrath is not poured out on me. Now, it doesn't make wrath a, a friendly word, at, you know, by any means. But it makes it one that I can understand. It's like Daniel and the three Hebrew, Hebrew children that were in the fiery furnace. You know, I will escape, you know, I will escape, but, you know, they probably had smoke on their clothes. I, you know, I won't have that. Now, God's wrath is not only fair, it's perfectly timed. And this is what we can't understand. The word revealed here is where we get the word revelation. It's apoptolipto or something like that. It's where we get the apocalypse. So Paul is talking about the apocalypse in Romans. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness or all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So his wrath comes from where? It comes from heaven. And I say this because other religions, you know, we're going to unleash hell on you. No, you're not. God unleashes hell, not, not heaven in a sense, that wrath. You know, a just, perfect, consistent, righteous fire from heaven. Now, in verse 17, Paul said, for, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. One of the reasons I exist as a Christian is so I can reveal the righteousness of God to other people. So hopefully when you see me outside the church, you realize, okay, he's not perfect, but he still shows God, God's righteousness in him through his faith and through his actions and those things. God's righteousness and wrath is revealed through heaven. So even, even so, the, we, we want to warn the world about his wrath. It's not our job to give out God's wrath. It's our job to warn the world. It's not our, not our job to, to make people feel guilty or feel like sinners. The world already does that. Sin already does that. The Holy Spirit already does that. That is not our job. God is so patient with people. He holds off the wrath until the right time. So when we share our faith, we share it gently. But we shouldn't be out there shouting. We shouldn't be out there, you know, going, you know, going through Target with a Bible screaming because of their bathroom issues. That drives people away. Of course we feel abortion is wrong. But we don't bring the wrath of God to the clinic. We don't make the young lady feel even worse. He does that. He brings the wrath in that sense. What we need to be doing is bringing his righteousness to this world. How do we bring righteousness? It all has to do with attitude. It all has to do with demeanor. It all has to do with our actions. Bringing wrath is like a two-year-old trying to help clean the house. You know, so the stuff is out of the middle of the floor, but there's no telling where it's at. They just cause a bigger mess. You know, we have friends that would come over and, and uh, uh, play with, with Brandon and, and Grayson, and, you know, his half-siblings would come over, and they're always like, we'll help you clean up. We're like, no, 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 it's okay, don't worry about it. Because it's like we have certain things that go certain places. It works for us. They don't know where that is. That's like us bringing God's wrath. It just goes everywhere. You know, some of us feel that we should make people squirm, you know, scare the kingdom of God into somebody. 
And this is actually taught in Bible schools. I mean, uh, I, I could tell you, I could preach sermons that will literally scare the hell out of you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's just not how I feel that we should be doing it. God's goodness is what attracts people. So, this does not mean we don't warn them about the, you know, God's judgment. No, I've been doing that all morning. But what I'm saying is, the way we do it is important. So in verse 18, it says, uh, or, uh, Who is the wrath of God fulfilled against? First, against all the uh, godlessness. I keep wanting to say ungodliness. But it's godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Those who suppress the truth. See, Paul is building his legal case here against those who suppress the truth. God loves truth. And the Greek word suppress is both negative and positive. It's katecho. It's where we get the word uh, catechism. It means to hold on to the truth. But it also has a negative connotation. It also means to hold back the truth. So it's either holding on to it one way or the other. We either hold on to it in a positive way. We hold on to the things that, that God has taught us. Or we hold back the truth from people to see, you know, so they can't see it. We're very acquainted with this, I think, in our times. Uh, just turn on the news. Read any magazine. We see the suppression of the truth all the time. Just look at any university campus. We now live in a day and age... We're in many places, they're trying to do this. It's not always works. It goes into courts and all this stuff. But where you need a permit to go out and talk about Jesus on a college campus. And if you don't believe me, go look it up. It's happened and it's happening. They totally ignore the idea of the First Amendment of the Constitution. And the only acceptable viewpoint on a college campus in many times is a liberal viewpoint. It's a purposeful suppression of of the truth. Yeah, it didn't just happen. In fact, many institutions were founded on, you know, by, by Christian forefathers. And now you go to those same universities and you can't even talk about Christ on campus. It's not natural. It's been purposeful. Just look at where the grant money goes to and what is being studied. It goes to, many times, a liberal agenda. It doesn't take rocket science to figure this out. CBS poll, you know, any poll basically, but CBS polled America to find out that we're 50-50%. We're like 50%, you know, conservative, 50% liberal in many ways. And yet you poll the boards and the professors of our universities. You would think it would be a 50-50 split, right? You'd be wrong. It's more like 97 to 3%. What happened? A suppression of the truth. It comes from people in power. So what happens is only one viewpoint is now offered on college campuses. In fact, I, I read an article yesterday that uh, the, there's a movie call, uh, coming out, God's Not Dead. Uh, it's number two. It's, you know, they had a movie, God's Not Dead, now God's Not Dead too. And um, by the Cleveland Convention Center, they wanted to put up a big billboard up there. And it, it has God, it has the word God on it and several other things. And, and they thought that that was too incinerary, the billboard company did, too incinerary to put up there for the Republican National Convention. A billboard about a movie about God is too incinerary. Suppression of the truth I'm not saying the liberal viewpoint shouldn't be there. I agree with, with, with some of the views on that. 
There's many views that I disagree with, but there's some that I agree with. You know, let's help those who need help. But then there's a point where they don't need the help anymore and they need to start doing other things. But what I'm saying is both viewpoints need to be out there so people can decide. When suppression of one side happens, it becomes dangerous. Respect the other viewpoint. You don't stifle the other side. So what are we to do? Well, we go out there and we be truthful. We be righteous. We know the cards are stacked to, you know, against those who have uh, God's values. But there's no excuse for a person who is a child of God because the cards have always been stacked against Christians. We just feel like it's today's day and age. But no, it's always been that way. From the beginning, Satan has been against God's way. And what's his best way to suppress God? It's for Satan to get people into power. And I mean people who don't believe in God and feel that Man, if you even mention God, come on, we're so past that. Yeah, I mean, only stupid people believe in God. Only those that need a crutch believe in God. And that is the attitude in many universities. Even right now, going through the California legislation is a bill that would force colleges, Christian colleges, to allow transgender students into the bathrooms and many other things. It's an anti-discrimination bill that would make it impossible for a Christian university uh, to require you to sign a document saying you're a Christian coming into that university. It would make it impossible for them to, to say, you know what, you need to get so many chapel credits. In other words, you need to go to chapel uh, twice a week for so many, you know, so many, you can miss this many times and all. They require, I mean, there's classes that you, you're required to be there, right? Well, we can't force people to go hear things about God. That's discriminatory for those that don't believe in God. Even though you're a Christian university. I mean, it's so wacky. But it's going through the legislation right now. So Paul says, be patient. Let God do his work as we do our work. Now, Paul says that it comes from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since that may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain for them. Since the creation of the world's God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So Paul starts out the argument that we'll, you know, and we will go through all this cesspool of, of human sin. Of people, uh, people who don't believe in the creation of God's work. Now, to me, this is a, a pretty weird place to start the discussion. I wouldn't have started here. I would have started talking about sinners. Yeah, but he does it a little differently. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of God's invisible, creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuses. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and the foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Do you see a progression here? 
God's creation was so plain that everyone could understand that there was a creator. So therefore, no one is without excuse. No one. You look around the world, you go up to the Sierras, you go wherever you think beauty is in this world, and you have to see, you have to recognize that there is a creator. You have no excuses. But even though we know this, people started, you know, not recognizing God. Therefore, they didn't thank God. So their thinking changed, and their hearts changed, and their minds were darkened, and they became wise in their own eyes, but they were fools. And they exchanged God for other images and said, well, that is God. Don't expect a carnal mind to understand this. Verse 22, it says, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. God has been telling humans about himself since the beginning of time, and he continues to do so. No one has an excuse for not believing in God, in the creator God. We're not even talking about believing in Christ yet. We're just talking about recognizing that this world has been created by someone. Paul will get to the point where he starts talking about Christ, but he starts at the basis, the the foundation. You have to believe in a creator God. I mean, all you have to do is look around and see creation. It's plain to see. So in order to, to suppress the truth, you have to do it intentionally. You know, we have to get people, if you've got to take out God out of the picture, you've got to put something else into that place, right? Well, where did it come from? You've got to have another model. So they go, hmm, oh, Big Bang started it all up. A manufactured, a, a godless model without an intelligent designer. And this is what's being taught to our children in schools. Even though the 87% of Americans claim to be Christians, which I even wonder about that number, but they, that's what they say. We still allow this to be taught to our children. There's a huge disconnect between the common people and the intelligent ones. It says right here, they pretended to be wise, they became fools. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I'm very grateful for what science has done. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, it was, was uh, the anniversary of the, of the birth of, uh, uh, I think it's uh, Louis or Louis uh, Pasteur, however you want to pronounce the French name. He invented the rabies vaccine along with, with many other things. Thank God for the rabies va- vaccine. A lot of people have not died because of that. He saved a lot of people, uh, people's lives. The advance of science has done wonderful things. The advance of medicine has been amazing. Science is, is awesome. And we need more Christians going into the world of science. The thing is, you have to sit through the teaching, uh, uh, you know, this theory. And it's interesting because two generations ago, it was, ju- it was called just that, a theory. Two generations ago. But somehow, even though the facts have not changed, this theory now has become a fact. Satan is in charge of this earth, and he is suppressing God's ways to the point 
where science actually has become a religion. It used to be an open discussion, but now they say, oh, no, 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 we only deal in facts, so therefore we cannot believe that there is a creator. And we've swallowed this Big Bang theory. And we've swallowed this theory of evolution that's not logical at all because there's huge gaps in it. And, you know, anything that contradicts the fact is suppressed in many ways. In fact, I, I saw an article uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was, my wife and I were, were talking about, they found a footprint in some, I don't know, 84 million years, I don't know, what, whatever, however long ago they say it is, and they can't figure out why this footprint, because this footprint, the, because how old it is, there's no way it could be a homo sapien, so it had to be a homo erectus, which was, you know, the, 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 not the monkey, but the, the guy that walked like this or something. I don't know. But they, 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 they couldn't figure out where this foot fits in their facts. So therefore, well, they had to come up with a whole new thing that, that they said, well, homo erectus must have walked like humans now. Even though for, we've been teaching in school, they walked not like that. It's become their religion to the point where you cannot question evolution any longer. So if you're a fifth grader and you want to hear about a different theory called intelligent design, oh, no, 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 no. Separation of church and state. I mean, that is religion. I mean, that's just evil. It's kind of interesting. The University of uh, Motto for California is let there be light. By the way, where did they get that? Okay, I don't know. But they want anything but light on their campus. They want to have a one-sided conversation. In fact, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in the Word of God. And yet, they can't even admit that it takes faith to believe in evolution. They won't even admit that there's a designer. I don't care if they say it's Jesus or not. Just admit that there's a designer to begin with. They won't even believe it. My question is this. How did it get so wrong to say that these things are so complex here on this planet? The way they developed, the way they're sustained, there's no way that it could have just accidentally happened. I mean, take a look at this helicopter. Okay, I threw in the lava picture, you know, had to. But the, the helicopter, concentrate on that. Helicopters are amazing things. They should not be able to fly. They really shouldn't. Uh, but what religious dummies don't know is this. That helicopter wasn't built by a designer. That helicopter used to be a whisk. That whisk was sitting in my drawer. A billion years ago, it was just sitting there thinking... I just made pancakes, and I thought, no, 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 no. I think I'll start spinning, and it spun itself right out of the drawer until it became a blender. This is science class, people. There's no laughing. Then that blender hobbled out into the garage and made it, well, can I say, okay, made it with an edger, okay, added some bars and added some wheels, and one day it took off and became a baby helicopter. After that, just one day, boom, 
There came a helicopter. That's what science wants you to believe. Because you go back, you see so many huge gaps in their theory that is now fact. It's just like what I presented. And you go, oh, Alan, (laughs) you're so silly. Well, then let's talk about hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are way more complex than a helicopter ever thought about. Are you telling me this hummingbird used to be a fish, according to science? Its gills became its wings, or its fins became its wings? It's interesting. Only fish eat separate things. So I guess the flowers developed at the exact same time as a hummingbird, so it would have something to eat, because hummingbirds have to eat every hour or they die. Well, what do you know? A flower that has a sugary substance that the hummingbird likes all of a sudden appeared at the same time. I mean, the hummingbird's wings are flapping at a thousand times per minute, and the hummingbird's like, I taught them how to do that. They used to be gills. All I'm asking is, does that make sense? No, it doesn't. Then why are we tolerating it? See, the point is this. God has made himself known. All we have to do is go out there and look around. No one is without excuse. No one can say, well, I didn't know about God. All you have to do is look around, much less look in the mirror. Since what may have been known about God is plain to them, Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Here's the deal. If you don't want to admit that there is a creator, then you've got to come up with some other system to believe. Some other system for all the stuff that we have. And this is where the evolutionary model comes from. It's the suppression of the truth, as Paul says it. Because if a person admits that there is a God, admits that there is a designer, then they would have to deal with that God, deal with that designer. And it's easier to believe nonsense than it is to admit the truth about God. It's easier to believe nonsense than admit the truth about God. And that is such a sad, sad commentary on this world. We need to have more Christians and more places of education. And next week we're going to talk a little bit about different things. And and you will come up against things that, that will just try to stamp you down. One professor wrote in an article, and I'm going to talk about this next week, but he wrote in an article, it wasn't even a, um, uh, really a published thing, and this a well-respected guy from Iowa State University, and started talking about intelligent design, never even mentioned God, never even mentioned Jesus, just intelligent design, and uh, there was a huge uproar at the university, and 260 professors at that university signed a document And I'll read what the document said next week, but naturally to say it was against anything that has to do with God. I mean, they had English professors signing it, you know, and all sorts of different professors. One professor, because he just, he wasn't even teaching it in class. 
He just happened to mention it in an article. And literally all hell broke loose. It's sad. We as Christians need to stand up in our society and say, that is from God. That is from God. That is from God. And then when they give you the chance, say, well, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about how Jesus saved my life. Too often we want to bring the wrath of God. Let God deal with the wrath. Let's go back to the New Testament. Let's bring the, ju- you know, let's bring the love of God. We need to be able to point out sin. But let's bring the love of God. Let God deal with the wrath. Why don't we stand and we will finish up this morning. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, I, I pray for our young minds that are in high school and junior high and elementary and college. Seems like the world of education doesn't want to even approach the idea of, of God. They don't want to even present or, or discuss it. Hell, uh, uh, you know, that, that's just plain stupidity as far as they, they see it. And I pray that you will bring up more Christians in those areas, that we can intelligently talk about these things, that we can bring you into the discussion, that you are not suppressed as much as you used to be. Lord, that's what this world is all about, is suppressing you, suppressing the truth. And it happens in so many different ways, but it boils down to your arch enemy, Lord. It boils down to Satan trying to control things, trying to bring people away from you and not towards you. I pray that you give us the ability to stand up for those times we need to stand up, to bring the truth into this world so that others may not go to hell but go to heaven, that they may believe upon you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May he give you mercy in this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.